Today's scriptures reading is from Luke chapter 13, verses 13 through 35. Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should this not should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for eighteen long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what has from what bound her? When he said this, all his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. Then Jesus asked, What is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air perched in its branches. Again he asked, What shall I compare the kingdom of God God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Then Jesus went through the towns and villages, teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? He said to them, Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Once the owner of a house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, Sir, open the door for us. But he will answer, I do not know you or where you come from. Then you will say, We ate and drank with you, and you taught in our streets. But he will reply, I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, all you evildoers. Then there will be weeping there and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves thrown out. People will come from east and west and north and south, and will take their places at the feast in the kingdom of God. Indeed, there are those who are last who will be first, and first who will be last. At that time, some Pharisees came to Jesus and said to him, Leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod wants to kill you. He replied, Go tell that fox I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow, and on the third day I will reach my goal. In any case, I must keep going today and tomorrow and the next day, for surely no prophet can die outside Jerusalem. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how I've longed to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. I don't know about you, I'm kind of noticing church feels a little different today. Kind of has a different feeling to it, right? It's kind of quieter. Not a lot of hooping and hollering or kind of more solemn. Even a little depressed, right? Am I the only one that's noticing that this morning? 
you know, it can't all be banjos and, you know, water and jumping around and dancing and <laughs> juggling, fire juggling, right? It is a time of lament in our calendar as we listen to Jesus weeping over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often I've desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. See, your house is left to you, and I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. If we were in Jerusalem today, we could stand on the western slope of the Mount of Olives just across the Kidron Valley from Jerusalem. And there sits there a small chapel called the Dominus Flavit, which means the Lord wept. This chapel sits on the site that tradition tells us is where this text took place, the site where Jesus wept. And inside the chapel, the altar is centered before a high-arched window that looks out over the city. And there's iron grillwork over the top of it. And so as you, as you look out of it, it, it is on a, and if it was a beautiful sunny day, the effect is that of a stained glass window. But it's not really stained glass at all. It's just an open window looking out across to Jerusalem. Down below uh, is the Dome of the Rock. And over to the left corner is the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And there's all, and a view of a cloudless sky might take up most of the grill work. And it uh, looks beautiful. It looks incredible. And down below on the front of the altar is a picture, a mosaic of what never really happened in that city right there. Barbara Brown Taylor tells us this, in a mosaic medallion of a, of a white hen with a golden halo around her head, her red comb resembles a crown, and her wings are spread wide to shelter the pale yellow chicks that crowd around her feet. There are seven of them, with black dots for eyes and orange dots for beaks, and they look happy to be there. The hen looks ready to spit fire if anyone comes near her babies. This, however, never happened. And the picture does not pretend that it did. The medallion around it is rimmed with red words in Latin. Translated into English, they read what we just read here today. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. The, kid, the city that kills the prophets. And the last phrase is set outside the circle in a pool of red underneath the chick's feet. And it says, you were not willing. This is Jesus' lament over Jerusalem, over the city that He came to save. He came to show you grace, but you were not willing. He came to bring freedom, but you were not willing. He came to bring reconciliation, but you were not willing. And even now, Jesus says, after performing many healings and miracles, all anyone can talk about is that I did it on the Sabbath. And that the king wants him dead. I'm sure Jesus was wondering, what, a, what does a guy got to do to get a little positive press around here? right? 
This is a rare and very human glimpse into who Jesus is and his expression of deep frustration as the reality sinks in that his mission was going to realize the worst case scenario after all. It seems that at this moment it became clear to Jesus that he would not live to see the fruits of his labor and that his message was falling on deaf ears and it would take something quite remarkable quite dramatic and quite drastic to really get people's attention that his message will cost him his life and only after that sacrifice will the world begin to understand the extent of God's message and the extent of God's deep compassion for the world and this is what makes this image of the hen so appropriate the image of a mother hen gathering her chicks together with her wings and doing everything she can to keep them from harm now you know this certainly is not the image that we would want Jesus to assume we're not really all that excited about this particular uh, you know image we like we like lions Right? Big lions with a, with a mane, majestic creatures with big hair and claws and a mighty roar. This was, the, this was the image that Herod took on for himself. He had his image to be a lion. But Jesus calls it like it is. And in our text today, renders Herod a fox, not a lion. But if Jesus had to drum up some imagery how if it had to be a bird how about an eagle an eagle is great right few things more impressive than an eagle regal brooding ever vigilant precise right how about that jesus how about an eagle not a chicken how about an eagle what we really like is jesus wielding a sword a mighty warrior ready to vanquish ready to exact justice ready to protect against the enemy and with the right weapons to do it bring it on right compared to these images a hen doesn't inspire much confidence and yet there it is a chicken a hen wings outstretched to provide safety for the chicks Yet if they do not come into the arms of that embrace, there is little that can be done. And Jesus laments. But her wings remain open. You know, the thing about that posture is, is that it invites the chicks, but it's also the most vulnerable for the hen. Right? Wings out stretched to gather in the chicks but the hens exposed to all the danger and to be honest the only protection she has to offer the chicks is to put herself in the way ah now maybe we're beginning to see where jesus is going with this jesus understood that the message and the vision was one that would take many lifetimes to achieve he understood that it would take a living 
It would take living a sacrificial life and dying a sacrificial death that was the only way to confound the world and offer a new path. Like the prophets before Him, and I dare say the prophets who came after Him, He held back nothing to herald in the kingdom of God. You know, it's this kind of love, it's this kind of sacrifice, it's this kind of outpouring that we too, 2,000 years later, as ambassadors of Christ, as ambassadors of the kingdom of God, as people of the way, that we are called to live this way in the world we live today. Not as a lion, not as an eagle, not as a warrior, but as a mother hen gathering her chicks. Our calling will never be achieved as lions or eagles. We've tried that already. It didn't work. Our calling will never be achieved with the sword. We tried that already. It didn't work. Our calling will only happen with outstretched arms and the love that is best described as a hen gathering her chicks. Our calling will only happen if we, along with Christ, long to gather the children of God to her. We have got to want to see things differently and then be willing to fight for it or more importantly to sacrifice for it. By fight I don't mean like a lion, like an eagle, but the hen who, wings spread out, put herself out there for the sake of the chicks. As I think about this, I can't help but you know I was uh, I can't help but think of people who who kind of exemplify this. And when I when I was reading about this hen, uh, I can't help but think about my experience up at Capitol Hill on Baptist Day last Tuesday. Me and Lori Wilberg went up there to with the Coalition of Religious Communities to advocate for the poor for the the left out and those who were on the margins and advocate that the legislature make sure they remember them as they make laws that impact real people and i gotta tell you the, the woman in charge of cork a coalition of religious communities her name is linda hilton and this this describes her perfectly a mother hen gonna take care of everything and she is a fighter she is, you know, uh, don't get anywhere, and, and she's a, a force to be reckoned with as she goes about advocating for the poor, taking care of the least of these in Salt Lake City in the state of Utah, and weeps. She clearly weeps because it is not the city it could be, and it is not the state it ought to be. Not only that, but she has dedicated her life to doing what she can to make it that way. And I really, you know, I'm forever I'm going to see her as a little mother hen running around confronting the powers that sit in office in our great state. And this is our calling as well. Jerusalem was broken. Jesus looked on her with compassion and died trying to change things. But of course, one of the things we can see in this text was the understanding that this struggle would outlast Jesus' earthly life. And what we get in the resurrection is the understanding that though the powers and the principalities think they killed this struggle, Easter morning it was clear that the struggle continues and that Jesus continues to gather in God's children even 
after death on the cross. The world said no, but God said yes. Amen? Well, you know what? Salt Lake is broken as well. Utah is broken. The United States is broken. Our world is hurt and broken. And we are called, yea, even more than that, we are equipped to gather this hurt and broken world in. To her, to be the kingdom of God, she was created to be, to, to herald it in, to live it out, and to give our lives in our effort to do it. To look upon her not with disdain, disgusted with the condition of the world and holding ourselves in and choosing to isolate ourselves away. You know what? It's so easy in our world today, in the, in the, particularly here in America, particularly perhaps in our situation, to just hide ourselves away and to not accept the realities. Right? And maybe that's why it's appropriate today that church doesn't feel as joyful as it always does. Because it's easy for us to sit in this church hidden away and to play banjos and set off fireworks and have a lot of joy and forget that the world we live in is broken. The world we live in is hurting. The world we live in is not the kingdom of God as we have been called to make it. So we can we're not called to hold the world in disdain but to to reach out to her, not to approach her with fear either. That's another reason to hold ourselves away and just wait for God to return and make it all right and we'll just we'll bunker up and wait and hope that it comes soon. No, that's not what we're called to either. Not with apathy either. Sometimes I run into people who just don't care anymore. They just don't concern themselves. And they turn a blind eye to the pain that is around Him. We are not called to any of these, but called to a life of compassion. Longing for the good news to be good news for everybody. Amen? To open up our hearts and to open up our eyes to the world around us and recognize that this is not the kingdom of God as God designed it. To live out a calling of, to compassion means that we, like the hen, must put ourselves out there, be vulnerable, take risks for the sake of those who need compassion, for the sake of the kingdom of God. We must love this world to, enough to try and make it better than it is. We must love this world enough to live how we believe. In other words, our compassion and our faith cannot just be words. It can't just be something we scream from this pulpit, but must translate into a life and a lifestyle that is counter to the world and that rejects this world and the pain and the suffering and embraces a kingdom of God and the gifts that God has given us through Jesus Christ. To live out a calling to compassion, one must risk rejection as Jesus was rejected. 
Jerusalem didn't hear Christ's call. The world may not hear us either. We may cry for justice and get none. We may wail for peace and be drowned out by the chaos. And then too, like Jesus, we may weep and lament. However, this is our calling to bring Christ to the world through our compassion to love this world into the kingdom. Jesus shows us what this looks like. A mother hen gathering in those who are most vulnerable and protecting them with their outstretched wings. This is our calling to cry out to this hurt and broken world and say, here is safety. To cry out to this hurt and broken world and say, there is a place for you here. And even to do more than that. To say, you know what? If you can't come here, we'll bring our outstretched wings out there. And we'll bring the good news in the form of our love, our compassion, our support, our advocation out into this world and we'll go where the pain is in the hope of kingdom and the hope of Christ. And as we are faithful on this journey, we become signs that point the world toward the open arms of Jesus Christ. We become the flow that others draw to, that draw others into the protection of Jesus' outstretched arms. We become the the hands and feet of Christ who longs for this world. Who longs for this world to know how much love there is in God. Enough love that Jesus would not even hold back His own existence and life. Enough love that the best efforts of this world to squash it were not enough. And even for 2,000 years, we have lived it out and experienced pushback. And there's yet more to do. There's yet further to go. It is our calling to live a sacrificial life of love bringing compassion to this hurt and broken world. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, a God who laments over the lost, over the hurting, over the ones who do not experience justice, but who are left out and marginalized by the hatred and the apathy of this world. May we, Your church, be the ambassadors of love, bringing Your message of peace, Your message of compassion, Your shalom to those who need it the most. We thank You for this calling, even when it's hard. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.